Guys, let's, let's welcome Joe Morris as he comes up. He's a wise man. He is bringing tissue. Uh, let's just stretch our arms forward uh, and let's just uh, not so much pray for Joe. Let's, let's give thanks for Joe and for what the Lord's given him to encourage this body with. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you speak to this man, that this man hears you and obeys you. So, Lord, I thank you for the word that you gave him. Lord, I thank you for the for the anointing that's upon him, Lord, to bring life through that word. So we just open our hearts right now, Lord. We ready our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Mark didn't give you the whole story. He called, and I was in Walmart getting... Uh, Again, moving supplies, more packing tape, and other stuff. And uh, I bring this up for a reason. So if a guy who, who weeps or cries offends you, let me tell you already I'm sorry. Because <laughs> it's going to happen. And so he, he asked me, and I said, oh, man, I, I'm honored. Because a man... Uh, that has a pulpit, that has a church, he doesn't give up his pulpit easily. You know, it's, it tears him up to have to be away from it. So for him to ask me, I know it's an honor. And I don't know if he, he caught this, but at the end I was crying because it was such an honor. And more than that, there's a message that the Lord has given me for months. Uh, he would wake me up at night with this same message. And so I haven't, you know, this isn't the first time I preached it. I've preached it many times at night to myself in bed. So it's been practiced over and over again. So let's go to Second Kings chapter 5. You know, often you say, gosh, the Old Testament? Where is that? I only, only start at Matthew. But there's so much rich stuff, rich information, rich guidance in what we call the Old Testament. This is a great story. And let me tell you, just in case I don't get to it, because I don't know how far I'll get, read this chapter. This is a story, and it's a type for everyone. It's a, there's a message in here for every person here. So when I... There's a character. In fact, if I was going to give a, a name to this message, it would be, which character are you? Because we're going to talk about five characters. I don't know how far I'll get. Okay, but we're gonna we're gonna see. But there's a character for every person. Let's hope there's a at least one that you don't identify with. Okay. What's not what's not up? I didn't give it to Cat. But first, uh, first Corinthians ten eleven. Paul was writing to the to the church at Corinth, and he and he was talking about the Israelites, and he 
and going through the wilderness. And he says, all these things happen as it is an example. But for us, it was written because it was an admonition to build us up in the Lord. She is so didn't she? <laughs> we don't give the team enough credit. Yeah. You know, Logan is here every week from 8.30 on and does a great job with the sound. So thank you, Logan. So, it was up there. Let's go back. Let's, now let's go to 2 Kings. Okay, because what was written in the Hebrew Bible was written to encourage us, to direct us, to guide us. So there's in this story in 2 Kings, starting in chapter, chapter 5, we're looking at different types. And it says here, Now Naaman... The commander of the army of the king of Syria was a great and honorable man in the, in the eyes of the master. I'm reading it up here because that's New King James and I got King James and it would confuse you. I'm an old King James guy. Oh, okay, amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because the Lord... Just a minute. Naaman was a Syrian. He wasn't an Israelite, but yet the Lord had given him victory. The Lord was already using him for a reason, and we'll see that, to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. He was a great commander. There's a little preposition in the Bible that you need to pay attention to. I, I thought about titling this message The Great Butts of the Bible. <laughs> you know, it might have brought some people in. Who knows? You know. But look at this butt. This guy, Naaman, a great commander, honorable, mighty man of valor. Who wants to be a mighty man of valor? Yes. But what? But he was a leper. This is our first type. Naaman is a type of a man, woman, that goes through life, a terrific person, but is lost. Leprosy in the Old Testament is a type of sin. If you go and you read stories through the Bible especially in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, when you see and you hear about leprosy, it's sin. Leprosy back in the Old Testament was a terrible disease. It, it was disfiguring. They would eventually lose their fingers and toes and they had scabs and I'm not going to get into the gory parts of it. But in Israel, if you had leprosy, if you had a skin disease, you had to be outside the camp. And any time someone came by, what did you do? You had to yell, unclean, unclean, because people could not come close to you. Leprosy was a 
type or picture of sin. It's interesting, leprosy in the Old Testament, of course, was an outward sign. But nowadays, sin, I mean, does anyone in here have any sin? I I see that hand. We'll be praying for you. (laughs) You know, but sin is typically inward. We don't see it nowadays. You know, because if we were following the leprosy aspect, every time we come around someone, I, you know, I see Brad coming, unclean, unclean, because I am unclean. I am unclean because of sin. Naaman was a picture of an unregenerated man, unsaved person. But it doesn't end there. It gets better. So he's the first character and when I this story the spirit told me there's a Naaman in here maybe two there's people in here man or woman that's honorable they think they're good And they are good. We enjoy their company. In the eyes of their employer, they're great. In the eyes of their family, they're they're wonderful. But they're a sinner. And they haven't come to the grace that's available to them at the cross. And we'll talk about that. So one, we have Naaman. He's our first character. Let's go to verse 2. This is where it gets really interesting. The Syrians had gone out on raids and they brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel and she waited on Naaman's wife. This is our second character. Pay attention when you read the Bible about people who don't have names. This little girl, young maid, and the King James is called young maid or little maid I have to tell the story that uh, talking to Sandy and she says what are you going to preach about and I said a little maid she says oh is it about me (laughs) and and, you know let me give honor to Sandy she is she's a she's a doctor so those who have old computers you remember the old Dr. Watson errors so Dr. Watson and uh, yes, we are married. We have different last names, but she kept her name for professional reasons. That's acceptable, yep. but we really are married. <laughs> but she's a doctor. We came out here really on a sabbatical for her. And after a while, she went back, not as teaching, not as a professor, but she was a cleaning lady. She did not have that much you know pride that she didn't go and clean toilets okay and she'd tell you she did it you know if it was me I'd say yeah I was going to clean on it you know but she you know and so I, I I lift her up and I admire her and I give her honor because when the time came, the Lord blessed her. 
So now she's going to make a little bit more money, you know, back in her assistant or associate, associate professorship at the university. So, you know, clean toilets for a little while. You know, see what God's going to do. You know, so here we have a little maid. Now, notice this, this little maid. She was taken captive. I thought about this story. And we don't know really anything about this girl. We don't know what tribe she's from. We don't know her name. Uh, We don't know what happened to her parents, her siblings. But she was taken captive. We don't know how old she was. I'm guessing probably in the, I'm going to say early, mid-teens. So we have any teenagers in here? Yeah? Okay. In fact, someone turned 13 soon. Did someone turn 13 recently? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Okay. So this is a story for a lot of us. We're taken captive, okay? She was taken captive, and she went away from her family, and she became a servant girl to Naaman's wife. Back in, back in Hebrew times, girls did not get a lot of training, especially, especially in Hebrew, especially in rabbinical teachings. You know, they knew God. They, know, they knew of Jehovah and how great he was. She's heard the stories, but she didn't get a lot of formal training. But this young girl, taken captive, serving Naaman's wife, she's going to be a focal point. And again, the Lord told me, through this auditorium, through this room, there are many little maids. You do stuff. Not everyone knows your name. But you're going to have an impact on lives. uh, Let's go to verse 3. Let's see what happens. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who's in Samaria, for he would be healed of this Leprosy, the sin. If only. Okay, think about this. She's captive. She's a slave girl. She's in Israel. She should despise those people, shouldn't she? She should hate those people, shouldn't she? But what does she do? Oh, that my master would know about the God of Israel. What about us? What about us? Do we have that same compassion for our employer, to our neighbors? You know, she was taken captive. The Lord also told me there's people in here that have been taken captive. Captive by your fears. You've been taken captive because of finances, of 
what people may think of you or do think of you. But this little girl, 13, 14, 15, maybe 20, she was taken captive, living in a foreign land with pagan idolatry all around her. But she stood strong in the Lord. She stood strong in the Lord. And, not, and because of that, she, she had such compassion for those around her. Oh, Lord, give us that compassion. Give us that. And can, let's go to, uh, to uh, Acts 14. This is a. This has application to us. Here, this talks about Paul, and Paul was going around after his first missionary journey. He was going back around to all the churches, and he was strengthening the souls of the disciples, the the elders that he had already built up, and exhorting them through to continue in faith. That's that little girl. And saying, hey, listen, folks, look at what's going to happen. We don't get to the kingdom without some bumpy roads. Okay? If you want, if you've heard teaching or preaching of people saying, hey, come to Jesus and everything's going to be great. Come to Jesus and your, your finances will be put in order. Come to Jesus, your marriage will be saved. It may happen. It may not. But it, what it says, we must, through many tribulations and trials, enter the kingdom of God. Let, your, let not your heart be troubled. Okay? Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. I'm going to go away, but hey, the Spirit will be here for you. And there's, there's the end of the kingdom. Enter the kingdom. This little girl had such a message for us. Who wants to be that little maid? Oh, man. Pick me, pick me. Let me be that little maid. Okay, let's see what happens. Let's see the impact of this little girl. She's a stupid slave girl. No one's going to pay attention to her, is she? Let's see verse 3. Verse 3 says, Okay, next verse. And Naaman went and told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl who was from the land of Israel. Now think about this again. Here's Naaman, the commander of the army. He's not going to listen to a servant girl, is he? What impression this little maid had on Naaman and his wife. That the, she would say something. Now, wouldn't Naaman think, hey, I'm being set up. This girl really can't care about my leprosy. But something about that little girl, something about her made an impact that Naaman says, she's telling the truth. There is something there 
that I need. Little maids out there, are you living a life that people believe? That when you say, hey, Jesus means something to me. Jesus is alive. Do they listen? Do people listen to that? It's interesting. Cat, I'm throwing you a curveball. Go to Daniel 6. I love Daniel. This is one of my favorite stories. And, and in Daniel, you know, after when Darius came to be the kingdom in Persia and he took over Babylon, Daniel was really the second in command. But they didn't like Daniel. And everyone says, We're gonna, what can we do to get away, uh, to get rid of this Daniel? Did I, do, did I give you Daniel 6.5? If not, what happens is they conspired and they said, what can we do for Daniel to get him in trouble? And what they ended up doing is they said, the only way we can get Daniel in trouble is through his God. By, make, by <coughs> making some law that says Daniel is can only the only thing we can find against him is concerning the law of his God. Yeah. Is there enough evidence in your life to convict you of Christianity? <laughs> you know. If there was a law, and there will be one day, we don't know when, there will be a law against Christianity. Will there be enough evidence against you? You know, and, and so Daniel, you know, the only way they could get to Daniel was because of the law of his God. His life exemplified godliness. This little maid in Syria, a captive, exhibited godliness. What does your life exhibit? What can we see out of your life? Okay, so now, Kat, let's go back to Second Kings chapter 5. And let's look at maybe verse 5. What happens? So Naaman says, okay, I'm going to listen to this little maid girl. What she says, her life exhibits her, her belief in God. I need that. If she says I can be healed, then I believe it. Make sure your life exudes that to others. Then the king of Syria said, well, go. Go now, and I'll send a letter to the king of Israel. So, you know, diplomatics and politics. You know, the king says, okay, go on down there. Let's see if this is really true, and I'll send you letters of introduction. So Naaman goes, and he takes with him a bunch of money. Okay? A lot of silver, a lot of gold, and some clothing. Clothing was... was you know, expensive back then. You know, they didn't have targets and old navies and stuff. <laughs> so, he takes off. Okay, we're going to skip the part. 
where he talks to the king. But I can't leave this little girl. Now we're going to go, I'm going to give some scriptures in Colossians. If you don't come to the men's Bible study on, on Wednesday mornings, you're missing a great benefit. Good. You know, I, ha- I have to say, you know, I- I'm going to put, put a plug, Brad. Is that okay? Yeah, Wednesday mornings at 6 o'clock at Christo's Coffee, we do uh, a men's Bible study. In there and we're going through the book of Colossians now. I don't get to do it anymore unless they Skype me in somehow. You know, but we're gonna, you're going to be getting to chapter 3. Chapter 3 is fabulous. Colossians chapter 3, and let's go to verse 2. Is that what I gave you? Set your mind on things above, not on things down here. That's that little girl. Okay, she then set her eyes on the environment around her. I'm captive. I'm in Syria. I've got all these pagan gods around me. What am I going to do? Oh, poor me. No, she says, there's a God. And greater things is going to happen. Okay? You know, we often talk about Romans 8.28, for all things work together. Okay? All things work for the good. Do we believe that? If we do, we should never be upset about what happens because God's going to work through it. God used that little maid for a special purpose. And so when circumstances and situations and high seas come up, finances come up, resources go down, family trouble, God is God over those things. God hasn't taken a vacation. He is still there. He's going to work something through you for that. Hold your head up high and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do through this? Who can I impact because of this? Colossians 317. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatsoever you do, whatsoever trial, tribulation you do, do it for Jesus. Do it like you're going through Jesus, for Jesus. We talked about this this past Wednesday, Wednesday morning, that we work, guys, when we go to work, we should work in a spirit of excellence. That no matter what anyone else does around us, we work excellence. You know, we don't cut corners. We don't complain and bemoan the fact that we have to do something. We work in excellence. That's what that little girl was doing. She was doing whatsoever she did. She worked in excellence. Colossians 3, 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartedly. As to the Lord, not to men. Okay, Whatever you do, you're doing it for 
God, for the Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. When you do your work, do it heartedly. Do it without complaining. Do it as unto the Lord because He sees all things. He's not surprised about anything. And then Matthew 5.16. We all know this. This is this little girl, the little maid. Oh, so let your light shine before men. Okay? Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's that little maid. They didn't question her motives, her incentive. What Was she hoping, you know, she's saying this so she could just go back home? No, they didn't question that. They believed her. When you work, when you talk, when you live in your everyday life, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So, I spent a lot of time talking about Naaman, the unsaved person. Then we talked about the little maid. How, and I think most of us here would exemplify those attributes of that little maid. Okay, let's see what happens next. Going back to Second Kings, verse 9. So, flipping the Reader's Digest, we find out that Naaman goes down, goes to the king of Israel. The king of Israel thinks it's a plot. That he gets all upset. He tears his clothes. Elisha hears about it and, and tells the king of Israel, just tell Naaman to come on down here. I got the answer. Elisha is a type of Jesus, a type of Christ. And you'll see this in just a minute even more. So he, told, he tells the king of Israel, tell Naaman to come see me. So Naaman, with all his horses and chariots, he gallops down to Elisha's little place on Austin Avenue. You know, non-assuming place. Very, you know, plain, simple. And he comes down there and he stands in front of Elisha's house. Verse 10. And Elisha, this is weird, Elisha sent a messenger to him and saying, okay, think about this. Why didn't Elisha come out? Why did Elisha not come out and tell him? Again, the messenger is a type of Holy Spirit. Naaman's an unsaved person. Elisha is a type of Christ. And nowadays, what we have now in the Spirit of grace is the Spirit, Holy Spirit is sent out by Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I have to go to the Father so I can send out the Comforter. I can send out the message. And to receive the message, you've got to receive it from the messenger, from the Holy Spirit. The, the Word says 
that lift up Jesus and all men will come to him. But no one comes except the Spirit draws him. So, you know, we have the Holy Spirit in the messenger. And he says, go and wash in the Jordan River seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you shall be clean. Think about this. You're a leper. You got this horrible skin disease. Your appendages may be not doing so well. And the prophet sends a messenger to you and says, Okay, go wash in the Jordan River. What is Naaman going to do? Now remember Naaman, he's a mighty man of valor. He's a commander. He's got all these horses and chariots and entourage with him. What is Naaman's going to do? What is his response? Verse 11 says, But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Man, what is this? Indeed, I came myself. I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over all this and cleanse me. Naaman, this natural man, this unsaved person. We read in 1 Corinthians that the natural man cannot receive the things of God. Naaman could not receive, did not understand the things of God. He he has his expectations. People, a couple people in here come together, come here, and they have their thoughts of what should happen how Jesus should respond or how God should respond, how the pastor should respond, what they should do. But I tell you this, God has the last word. In fact, Brandon, what is the last word? There you go. You know, I tell you, I love this worship team. You ever watch you ever watch Brandon up here? Boy, I don't see how he contains himself. You know. And Marie and Melody. Man, she, you know, Brian just, that was a great thing that Brian was doing today, you know. (laughs) But the cross is the final word. No matter what you think, no matter what you think is going to happen, no matter what you think should occur, the cross has the final word. It's his final saying. Okay, so Naaman is puffed up with pride. He is so full of himself. He says, hey, Elisha didn't even come out and meet me. I'm, I'm leaving. You know, and it breaks pastors' heart. It breaks elders' hearts when people leave because something didn't happen the way they thought it should. And they went away in a huff. But, so, here's our third character. Elisha, of course, uh, you know, is our third character. The fourth character, let's go to verse, the next verse, 13. What's going to happen? And his servants 
came to him and spoke to him and said, my father, if the prophet had told you to do something great and mighty and marvelous and, you know, fabulous, wouldn't you have done it? How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean? Again, here's another type of intercessors. This is a type of intercession that we should have. There's people that we come in contact with and say, you know, gosh, I, I heard something about Jesus, but I don't know. I thought it should be this and this and this. And we have the opportunity to say, it's really just, just about Jesus. Simple. It's so pure. There's not any great, marvelous, majestic thing has to happen. Just believe. Just believe and be cleansed. May we have the power of intercession fall upon us to be ever ready to give an answer for the great things that lie inside of us. So we have now this other character of just being intercessors. Now what is going to be Naaman's response? Let's go and see. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God and his flesh was restored like a flesh of a little child and he was cleansed. Did he go and dip Three times? Gosh, if I, if, what about six times? Is six times enough? What was it that, that cleansed him? Was the Jordan River that special? No, the Jordan River wasn't that special. You know, when we, when we say, for unto the mouth, you know, confession is made. When we talk that we, for every name shall, every tongue shall confess Jesus. And in the heart, man believeth. You can't, you just don't go halfway. God does not want halfway believers. He doesn't want you, seven in, in the, in the, in the Bible, when you see numbers, pay attention to them. Seven is the number of completion, perfection. Naaman didn't do anything. Naaman himself didn't, didn't cleanse himself. Him going and going to the Jordan River and getting in and getting wet did not did not cleanse him, did not heal him. But his faith. And what the prophet had told him, his faith saved him. People, if I could just somehow get you to understand those who are here that are Naamans, that say, well, you know, all that sounds pretty good, but I, I just don't know. It is that simple. Faith is that simple. For faith is the evidence of things unseen, the substance of things 
unknown. He was he dipped himself seven times, just as the Lord told him, just as the prophet told him, and then he was cleansed. Now, what's his response? Let's he just goes back to Samaria, right? I mean, he goes back to to Assyria, right? What's his response? What should be the response of those of us who are cleansed? Uh, and he returned to the man of God, to the to that house of God. And he came and he stood before him and he said, "Indeed, now I know. Now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel." Now, please take a gift from your servant. Okay. If I wanted to, now I could get into a whole thing about giving. You know. Now, by the way, Mark did not set me up for this. Okay. But a couple of things we can take from this. Once you're saved, once you come to the full realization of Jesus Christ and His power and His belief and who He is, first of all, you're going to come back to the prophet. You're going to come back to the house. Okay? It's not going to be a drudgery for you to be here on Sunday mornings. You look forward to it. You can't wait to be here because now you know there is no other God. There is nothing to keep me captive because I come and I can worship Jesus. And hey, he didn't keep that. He didn't keep those those talents of silver and talents of gold. He was willing to give it all. Give it all. You know. So when you're fully engulfed in Jesus. There's no holding back. There's no holding back. You know, there's nothing that we keep from Jesus. But Elisha, going on to the story, he says, no, I don't need any of that. I don't need your gold. I don't need your silver. And I don't need your clothing. He wanted to make sure Naaman knew that salvation Jesus Christ was not for sale. Couldn't be bought. He says, no, just keep it. But he refused. And then, getting to the end of the story, we have to introduce one last person. And uh, Kat, if you could just jump to um, verse 20. So Naaman packed up his stuff and he headed on back. Now we have this last person, Gehazi. He has a name. Little Maid didn't have a name intercessors that was with Naaman didn't have names. But this guy who was a, an assistant 
to Elisha, who have seen great and mighty things, had a name, Gehazi. He, was, he saw what happened. He saw the great and mighty things. This is another type. This is people who maybe come here. There's, there's a lot of Gehazis in churches around the world who maybe enjoy the excitement, who enjoy you know, seeing things happen, but yet is called up in the worldly things. Gehazi says to himself, Man, Elisha, what were you doing? Look what you did. Look at this great thing that happened. You should have taken some of this stuff. And so, I'm not going to go to the, go to the rest of the story, but you can read it later. Gehazi chases after him. He, get, he, he, gives, he lies to Naaman. Naaman gives him some stuff because he thought he was supposed to because he's, you know, Gehazi said Elisha asked him. And he comes back and then he lies to Elisha, Gehazi does, about what happened. That is, this is, Gehazi is a picture of worldly Christians or worldly people in the church who are caught up in the worldly things, who have set their affections on here, things on the earth and not on godly things. And you can read what happens to Gehazi at the end of the story. It's not pretty. So here is our beautiful story. And I I ask you now, as we have prayed and I prayed much earlier this morning, that the Spirit would move in the hearts and minds of each of us, that we see which character am I? And be honest. Be honest. Which character am I? To be the first one, to admit the first one is the most difficult. To say, you know, I'm that proud guy who I know I'm I'm good. I know I've done some really nice things, but I have to admit, yes, I am a sinner. And I need to be cleansed. Oh, I pray that if that is you, admit it, be honest, not to me, but to yourself first. Because if you can't admit it to yourself, it doesn't do any good. And then to God. It reminds me of the story that Jesus told of the uh, Pharisee that goes up to the temple. And the Pharisee looks over at the publican, the tax collector, the sinner that comes in after him. The publican says, Oh, man, thank you for blessing me that I'm not like that guy over there. And the publican, the tax collector, the sinner comes in. He's humbled, contrite. He can't even lift, look up. He can't even do that. He beats his breast and says, Oh God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's 
going down to the Jordan and dipping seven times. So I pray that if you are that Naaman, that you dip yourself in the Jordan through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and come up cleansed. And if you do that, you come forward. Not, you know, not to be embarrassed, but come forward to Mark, to Brad, to someone and say, I'm cleansed. Yeah. I'm cleansed. Yeah. Then there's some of us who say, man, that story of the little maid, I want to be her. I haven't done that. I've just been, you know, afraid. I've been captive and not been who I should be. And I want to be that little maid. You don't need to know my name. But I want to have impact and influence. I pray if there's someone like that, that you're honest with yourself and say, I want to be more like that little maid. Speak to me. Pray for me that I can be more courageous. Because that took a lot of courage. Then help me to be more courageous. To be more upfront with my faith and who I am. Or maybe you say, gosh, when you were talking about those intercessors, the Lord said something to me. I should be praying for people. I should be speaking to people to solidify and build up their faith. If that's you, Maybe that is you. Maybe you need to step forward and and just again say, hey, I want to confess that I need to be more of an intercessor. Pray for me. Open my eyes. Give me strength to open my eyes to see people in need. There's people we come in contact every day who do not know Jesus. Or maybe they have a misunderstanding of Jesus. Or they have an incomplete understanding of Jesus that they need clarification. They need assistance. You may be the one that can help them do that. I pray. I pray that there's not any Gehazis in here. But there may be. There may be someone who has seen the great and mighty works of God who has seen power move, but yet you're stuck in the mire of worldliness, of greed. And that's just has scaled over your eyes. If that's you, you need to come forward and let us pray for you to break that bond, break those chains of worldliness and greed that you can become more of that unnamed little maid. Oh, I love that little girl. I don't know who she is. But when I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, I'm going to find her. I'm going to find that little girl and say, you've had an impact. You've had an impact, not only on Naaman, 
but on the lives of others who have heard that story. What impact will your life have? So let's, let's all stand for a moment, if you would. And, and I'm going to ask... Well, let's just bow our heads for a moment, please. Holy Father, I, I thank You for Your precious Word. Yeah, I, I, here in Second Kings, we don't get to it very often. But it is as powerful as John 3.16, as other Scriptures we may know. Thank You for Your precious Word. Father, I pray right now that the Spirit is moving and speaking to hearts and, and convicting and convincing people of what they need to do. Decisions that they need to make. Whatever it is, Father, I pray that Your will will be done. I pray that the Spirit will move with, with gladness and with power. And Father, if there's someone here that needs needs confirmation, that needs a word, that needs encouragement, that needs to just maybe just shout out, I am no longer Naaman. I'm cleansed. May that person come up here and speak to Mark, Brad, Kara, Kendra, and confirm that. So, Father, as we open this this time of of worship, I pray that you will move in the hearts and minds of people, and that your will be done, and that all things, all things that happen, Father, you receive the glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.